And that really turned their season around. And then they go on a run to the win the World, not to win the World Series, I'm sorry, to make it to the World Series. Daniel Murphy goes crazy, this, that, and the other thing. So the the highs are very high. And, and a man that, that we're going to talk to next was at some of those, I believe those World Series games, if not those playoff games throughout that run where the Mets made it in 2015. But he'll tell you coming up here in a minute that those times were absolutely crazy. Like, yeah, I know when a team goes to the World Series or the playoffs, yeah, people get excited. But Met fans, it's it just seems to be a little bit different. And it's because of all of the dysfunction that comes out with this franchise and rooting for this franchise. But joining us now, he is the former roommate of mine. As I mentioned, we had many uh, sports discussions and, you know, in the living room, uh, hanging out, going out, doing our thing in the back porch uh, and whatnot. He is the executive producer for New York Post, uh, the New York Post Sports Podcast. He also hosts a podcast with Nelson Figueroa, a former New York Mets pitcher himself. Amazing but true Mets podcast. He is Jake Brown. He joins us now this morning. What up, JB? I actually took out, you know me well enough, that I took out a loan to go to every one of those playoff games, except for the only World Series win. That was oh. the one that was like seven or $800, and I was like, all right, this is this is past what my loan, uh, my loan will pay for me. But I went to every other home playoff game. So you went to the games in the in the World Series that they they lost the one game, I, I was guess. The seven two line games? seats. I was in center field uh, cheering them on with the seven line people. I was. They made me leave the stadium. I was sitting there just depressed, and they're like, "All right, kid, you're gonna have to go now. Like the time we got to clean up." And I'm like, "All right, let me let me sit here one more minute and soak yeah. this in." Yeah, it was uh, dude, just. Just watching it on TV and, and that game five just was absolutely heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching. Yeah, Lucas Duda, Ugh. Paul Seawald, and Melatonin are my three biggest nightmares. Mm. And then, I mean, you have the decision by Terry Collins. You have the Matt Harvey situation, and now it's it's kind of apropos that he's back in the league and now he's with the Royals, huh? Yeah, it won't be long. He's already getting rocked. I think he's just lost it. He had a great stretch, and I don't know if he's got anything left in the tank. It's going to be a bizarre story and what he's going to do after. I don't know if broadcasting's even in it for him. So I hope he's planning uh, his post-career because I don't know if he's going to have a, a renaissance or a rejuvenation of, of you know the Dark Knight Rising. Mm, I don't know. Well, he's still got his good looks, and him and I uh, were in a movie together, so maybe he can do that. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, maybe he'll be a movie star. <laughs> Jake Brown again, our guest here on Beyond the Game. Greg Lauren in for Steve Pelequin. All right, man, let's talk about the situation that we saw happen yesterday and it unfolded right as I was on the air yesterday on my show. And, you know, I played the audio and, and I don't know if it was a hot mic. I Apparently, I thought it was somebody videotaping him, but apparently it was some sort of live stream that was just left on or something like that. And somebody had just jumped in it and, and recorded these guys because it looked like it was in the press room where the Mets usually hold their press conferences. I don't know how they usually do it now. I'm assuming it's just Zoom when everybody else is, is doing it uh, these days. And, you know, what were your initial thoughts before the statement and, and everything like that where Brody came out and was just, just talking bad about the commissioner? Well, he says what's need to be said. Rob Manfred is a clown commissioner. He's probably become worse than Roger Goodell, is the worst commissioner in sports. And it's just a little while that that clip, it was on Mets.com. It got released to wow. the website. Some college intern, Go Terps, who goes to like University of Maryland, um, uh, tweeted it out. He saw it on the website said, wow, this is probably going to get out there. He, you know, he posted it, and it blew up. So everyone was like, who the hell is this kid who posted it? But it was the Mets that publicly let it out, but no one uh. 
obviously really paying attention to the live Mets press conference videos, really. And, um, you know, the statement later on was that it was, I'm sorry, this was Jeff that said it, it wasn't Manfred, but let's be real. Manfred, is that is something he would do. He doesn't want to lose the TV money and these TV contracts. He doesn't want the teams losing. So he plans this sideshow, let's go out, then sit for an hour, and then start the game at 8 o'clock. You're either playing or you don't. There's no sideshow act of an hour. And I think the Mets handled it right on the field with what they did. But, of course, with the Mets, you take one step forward, you take two steps back with this whole PR debacle and then the Wilpon. The both Wilpon spelling Brody's name, the name of Pete Alonzo's dog. They spell it B-R-O-D-Y instead of his actual oh spelling of B-R-O-D-I-E. It's just all bad, man. I mean, just utter dysfunction. Are the Wilpons checked out at this point? Like, so are you are you of the belief that he was really he like that he he didn't make a mistake? It was really Rob Manfred that that came out and made that suggestion, and and Jeff Wilpon is just kind of the fall guy. I think it was Manfred and Wilpon the fall guy, and uh, it wouldn't shock me with the Wilpon's track record if they thought that maybe that is an idea they threw out there. But, you know, I think the Wilpons, they're trying to play good guys here because guess what? In a week, we might, we'll have the final bids in by the 31st, which is what? The, by Monday, mm-hmm. by Monday or Tuesday, we're going to have an idea of closer to an idea of who the Mets new ownership is going to be. And the Wilpons are trying to play nice here because they want that J-Rod bid. Mm-hmm. Mets fans are all clamoring for Steve Cohn because he's the actual Mets fan. Um, A-Rod is a Mets fan. Urlacher. Well, yeah, but that's different. There's too much of this. A-Rod's not even the majority owner. He, they're putting up $300 million of two-plus billion dollars. It's going to be vitamin water. And now there was the reports of Brian Urlacher being a part of it, which now you, you're scared about. Mm. Um, with you know, I don't like yesterday. that. So, yeah, you don't want Urlacher being part of this. No. It's a bit of like 20 people. So I think they're just trying to play nice because Rob Manfred is going to have a big say in who the Mets' new ownership is. So that's why Jeff is trying to cover this up but either way it wouldn't shock me but in typical Mets fashion it all just was from the from the video to the statement by Brody to to Brody what he did putting the the AWOL statement about Cespedes I mean to the Wilpons just being existing I mean from A to Z the front office and ownership is just a mess Jake Brown our guest here on uh, Beyond the Game Greg Lawrence in for Steve Peliquin yeah, it's 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 really it's really interesting when you look at these both of these state all of these statements, whether it be Brody's initial one, the one afterwards, the Wilpons afterwards. You and I talked about this in, in hour number one. It's like I could see both ways. I could see this actually being Rob Manfred's idea, or I could see it being Jeff Wilpon's idea, and that's a problem. I mean, it's it's a big time problem, and it just it just shows you. I mean, regardless if, if it was Rob Manfred's idea or Jeff Wilpon's idea, it just shows you the lack of uh, respect that general managers around the game, owners, players, probably everybody who around this game, as you mentioned, the clown commissioner that Rob Manfred is. I mean, it's just it's just uh, you can, it just shows what everybody really thinks of him. Yeah, I mean, my hope is that Manfred is out of here in the next year. He has just been Brutal. the absolute worst. Um, and honestly, they're they're not great with uh, treating MLB MLB network employees and the whole debacle that MLB Advanced Media had that became a big story. I won't dive too much into that because I I work there. But from As A to I. Z, it's, it, yeah, I mean it's just it's from underpaying employees to you know too many hours. I mean 
not that he has the general say because he doesn't know what the heck is going on there, but he is the head honcho, and from A to Z, he should know what's going on, and he doesn't, and he's making $11 million a year. Unfortunately, Roger Goodell is making almost four <laughs> times that amount, which scares you that a commissioner makes that much money, more than a lot of the players make per year, uh, to just do a bad job. So Manfred clearly has just no idea of this situation and you know it's it's just it's just awful um i hope he's gone and brody you know there's a chance he's gone after this year just because new ownership might want their own uh people in there so we'll see what the future of him is but he's probably got at least one more year and then he's gone but after that i don't see brody lasting because from from the pr statement listen i think what he was trying to do here what he was saying he was genuine and he's like we don't want to play and I respect that, but mm-hmm. Brody's track record has not been great so far. So it's hard to trust anyone that doesn't have a good track record. And Manfred doesn't have a good track record. Brody doesn't. And Rob Manfred has the worst of them all. Yeah, it's uh, it's all bad. But let's go to the good now. And, and it, it, it was what the Mets did on, and the Marlins did on the field yesterday. And it was an emotional Dominic Smith after the game on Wednesday uh, answering questions from the media via a Zoom call and, and tears running down his face, talking about all the racial and social injustice that's going on in this country. And he's one of very few African-American players in Major League Baseball. And he knelt before the national or during the national anthem on Wednesday. And um, and then you, you see what they do and, and, and they come out with the 42 seconds uh, of silence before the game. Everybody goes out into the field. They all tip their caps to each other, leave the Black Lives Matter shirt on the uh on home plate, you had Gary Keith and Ron out there talking about it. Um, Steve Gelbs in in the um, in the in the seats talking about it as well. Of course, he had a nice twenty plus minute conversation with Dominic Smith about all of this uh, before the season even started. So, what were what was your take on on how the Mets and the Marlins handled the on field situation and and standing in solidarity and not playing the game last night? I thought it was special. I thought it was an iconic moment. Um, they set it up very well. The 42 seconds of silence for Jackie Robinson as well. The shirt, the Black Lives Matter shirt, a home plate. Um, it was surreal as it was going down. It was a moment you had to watch live because it was like a TV drama. You had no, it was like an episode of Ozark or something. You had no idea what was going to happen next. And uh, then everything happened. And I pretty much knew the game was happening because I had a friend there and he said, the pitchers still aren't warming up. No one's warming. I was like, they're not playing. And then I was like, are they really going to do the, you know, not come back or come back out in an hour idea? And I was like, once it happened, I was like, there's no way they could do that because they would ruin what they just did. And then it was like, all right, they're not coming back out. And I think it was real. It was a legit moment. And there was so much uncertainty leading up to the game. And it seemed like it was going to be played, not played, played, not played. And just the silence, how Gary Cohen announced it, set it up. And then he just, you know, let let the moment speak for himself. That's and this is why Gary Cohn is the best in the business. And even David Cohn told me on the show Monday, he said, and he's in the F Network booth. He's one of them in the top five, maybe Yankees number two. He said, there's Gary Keith and Ron, there's the Mets booth, and then there's everybody else. Yeah. So that's coming from a guy in a rival booth saying, yeah, it's pretty obvious that there's no one better. And they laid it out great. And I was a little worried when, you know, Keith is going to speak because if you know Keith Hernandez, <laughs> you know, he's very old school. He has very different beliefs. Yep. But when it shows you that Keith got emotional and cried a bit seeing that Dom Smith video, how do you not see that video and got emotional? I cried. I did. We did most of our show yesterday on what Dom Smith said. 
and telling it like it is and the emotions that we had watching that. And you're kind of heartless if you don't have emotions seeing that because he, if, if you look back and there's, there's more to that, there's more than just that. watch that video. Watch Steve Gelbs talking to him and Don Smith telling the stories of the troubles and tribulations he has had to go through. And it's with J.D. Davis, going to a restaurant where they didn't serve him for two hours. Yeah. He has so many stories of things that he's been through. And coming from a bad area in California, I mean, coming from the area of Compton, going to Crenshaw High School where Daryl went, and he's he's been through it. He's been through a lot. So that's years of emotion pent up. This is not just a new thing. This is not coming from just the Jacob Blake shooting. This is coming from years and years of pent-up anger and frustration over being treated differently because of the color of skin. So from the interview to what happened on the field was a surreal moment. Yeah, it certainly was. Again, Jake Brown, our guest, uh, chopping up with us. Now, uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the Mets as a team right here. They, they've got the Yankees this weekend, and they'll play a doubleheader against them today. And um, I believe they're playing it in the Bronx for both games, but the Mets will be the home team for the second game. Is that correct? Yeah, all five games in the Bronx. The Mets are only getting the Mets are kind of getting a bad deal out of this. They're getting one of the six games at home. Oof. Not that it makes a huge difference because maybe the right field porch helps them and guys <laughs> like Dom Smith, but it also helps the Yankees. Um, although they're coming in banged up, but yeah, it's going to be. On, I mean, Tuesday the Mets had the whole situation where they bat in the top of the inning at City Field. Now yeah. the Yankees uh, might bat in the top of the inning at Yankee Stadium. So it's just. It's 2020, and the script that uh, the script that keeps on giving it. It is, and uh, the seven inning games, and the runner on second base, and extra innings. Uh, the Mets are 13 and 16 right now. They're, you know, they're 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 right around the average mark at this point. And um, you know, wh- wh- where do you see wh- how is the, how is this season played out for you? What do you think of Seth Lugo going into the rotation, and um, the chances at potentially making a playoff run here? Obviously, you'd you'd hope that they would be able to because. More than half the teams in the league are going to make the playoffs. But what have you thought about the season that that is so far at 13 and 16? Yeah, I think it's been very disappointing, and injuries have played a big factor in that. And the late start and guys not being in shape and guys not being ready. I mean, really more being game ready than in shape. But, you know, some guys, I mean, I, I know I was eating like an animal the first couple of months of quarantine. Uh, I'm not an athlete, but, you know, I need to be healthier, and I wasn't for a while. So I know how it is. You, the, some not all these guys have gyms access to. I know everyone's like, oh, they're all rich. They got, not all these guys do, and some of them were playing it safe and saying, oh, so that factored in, but it's been disappointing. Um, I, I do think they will make the playoffs, but I am not as confident as I would have been the first week of the season. Um, it, it's it's They need guys back healthy, and Michael Walker will be back today. Peterson will hopefully be back this weekend, and guys come back. But they need everyone and all hands on deck here in that rotation. With the injuries and the opt-outs they've had with Syndergaard and Stroman already, they can't afford to lose anyone else. I'm fine with Lugo to the rotation for now because I think they're kind of backed into that position. There's no depth. You can't throw Rob Gazelman and and Corey Oswald out there. You just can't do it. You're just asking to lose every five days because they don't give you enough. And if they do, they give you a couple innings. Oswald, you'll get a couple innings that are good, and then he'll implode. So, they need Lugo to be able to go four or five. I know he only went a couple. They pulled him way too early, and that's just Luis Rojas being a rookie bad manager, as he's been so far. He's just been he's been very bad, as the story has been, following Mickey Calloway. Um, so I think it's been disappointing, but I do think they're going to improve, and once they get these guys back, they'll be better. It's unfortunate that, well, I guess they'll have one more makeup with the Marlins after yesterday, but 
no more games against the Marlins. And I know the Marlins have been okay, but you look at those as the winnable games. Mm-hmm. You're still going to have to play the Phillies, Nationals, Braves. And uh, even a team like the Blue Jays is not an easy win. Even the Orioles have been competitive. Yeah. So those games won't be a walk in the park. So there's no real walk in the park games for the Mets on the schedule. They're not playing the Pirates. They're not playing the Royals. They're playing only the East. And the East has not been atrocious. It's been right around where they have been. So uh, they really need to try and win this series against the Yankees, get to 500. Because the National League has not been very good either. I mean, a lot of the teams are not good. So they're right in the thick of things, even under 500. There's going to be teams under 500, one or two, that are going to make it. That's just what's going to happen in a shortened season and with eight teams in each league making it. So I think they'll make it, but it's certainly been disappointing to watch so far. Bring back Eric Goodell. That's that's all I'm saying. Here he goes. Not again. Jake Brown, our guest here. Maybe before I let you roll, I uh, we've had many discussions on these airwaves about the Pelicans and what they should do next at the head coaching job. You know, Alvin Gentry is is gone, and a couple of people have brought up Mike Woodson. And now I just got the notification this morning. I'm sure you got the same one that Mike Woodson is going to be joining yet again. He's going to be on the Knicks bench with Tom Thibodeau. Yep. What are your thoughts on Tom Thibodeau being the head coach of the New York Knicks and then bringing back again Mike Woodson? I love the Thibodeau hire. I think it's smart. They finally, you know, they bring in a coach with plenty of experience with a coach who's been in the playoffs, who's been a winner. He's tough as nails. He'll be tough on these young players. And that's, you need that. I mean, you go from the guys they've had and even Woodson was a little bit easier. I think Woodson as an assistant, I'm perfectly fine with because he has so much head coaching experience. He belongs as an assistant. Um, Fisdale was too easy on a lot of these guys. Didn't hold a lot of guys accountable. Um, Derek Fisher, same thing. Uh, even guys, the guys who filled in, Kurt Rambis. Mike Miller was okay, but he's, he was, there was no chance he was coming no. back. So it's finally an established coach. And even if you relate this to the Mets, I thought the Mets should have brought in Girardi or Showalter in an mm-hmm. established coach, and they went with a puppet. So they can go the puppet route here, uh, going with Thibodeau. And, you know, it's hard not to like it because if he fails – he fails, but you went out and got one of the best guys out there. Now you got to build a team around him. His roster stinks right now. It's not a playoff team. Nope. It's going to take another year or two. So they got to crush it in the draft. They got to crush it in free agency, maybe try and make a trade and hope that the young guys like Barrett and Robinson develop and Woodson, and Woodson well, uh, Thibodeau <laughs> and Woodson combined are going to be a big part in making these young players develop and holding guys accountable. We're in such a very young players, you know, social media, doing what they want generation. Sometimes you need these guys to say, you know what, I'm going to kick you in the rear end, not literally, but, you know, I'm going to make you work and make you better and improve your game. And uh, I'm hoping that Thibodeau could be that kind of guy. Yeah, you just got to hope. I think the one thing that, um, and I, I don't know if you've ever met him, but I'm sure you might know the name Sam Dusenberry Jr. who used to work at the Fan and CBS Sports Radio Network and whatnot. And um, he, he – um, he he's come on my, my, my show every week talking NBA and we talked about Thibodeau and he used to be a Bulls fan and I think the one thing you worry about Thibodeau is that he's just gonna run those those young guys into the ground and, and grind down their knees so bad that they're not gonna have a lot a lot of longevity in this league. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean stop we're babying a lot of these guys. Let them play thirty eight to forty minutes. These, my argument would be the opposite. My argument would be these guys are in the best, should be in the best shape of their career in their prime, in their 20s. They should be young and athletic and fit and be able to be go out there and play big minutes and, and you know play at their best right now. 
I mean, you could argue that now's their chance versus a guy like Marcus Morris, who they had, who was older and more of a veteran, but he's a guy you worry about grinding on his knees and be playing too long. So I hope guys like Mitch Robinson and R.J. Barron, those are the two core players right now, could be big-minute guys. And honestly, a guy like Frank Nilekina, you're hoping he can get better and he could become trade bait because what I've seen from him has been disappointing so far. I know he's gotten uh, more built this offseason. Hopefully he takes the next step this year. But my argument would be the opposite of, like, you know, play these guys. Let them be able to go 38 to 40 minutes. Yeah, I see, I see your point there in terms of, yeah, letting them go. But I think it's it's playing them smart. I think there were a couple of examples that, that Sam brought up that were when Tom Thibodeau was coaching the Bulls of Jimmy Butler and Luol Deng and in situations where they really didn't need to be out there was continuing to play them and just grinding them down and just continuing to play them major, major minutes in, in games where maybe they were winning by a lot or losing by a lot or something like that and, and just continued to stick with his guys instead of maybe going to the bench and you know conserving them a little bit in, in, in situations where, like I said, either they were winning or losing by a lot. Yeah, He's got to be smart about it. Having Woodson and those guys will help him, and I think he realizes the game has changed, and being away for a bit, he realizes what needs to change. So I, I think he'll become a more progressive, you know, head coach uh, after this layover, and I think he's got a staff around him that will help him. And you know, I don't think he's going to do that. You got coaches learn; they learn from their mistakes, they get better, and we'll see if he learned uh, next season. I hope so. It's going to be weird, man, because I don't think it's going to be 82 games. My guess is it's going to be maybe 60, but who knows? We might not start until the new year, so I don't know when the NBA next season is going to start. We don't know when the Knicks are going to be on the court next, but it's not going to be for a while. Yeah, for sure. And uh, what what I was talking about before you jumped on with me, uh, it looks like they're not going to have games tonight or today. They'll just practice today, and then I think they're going to hit the court and resume the playoffs tomorrow. Yeah, and that's smart. I think uh, take a couple of days, you know, have conversations. There, you know, you're seeing the Bucks and the NBA in general took off today. They are they are away, and they're calling, you know, local legislation. They're calling offices and trying to make change. And that's what you want to see. You mm-hmm. you don't want guys just taking off to send awareness. You want them to take action along with it. And they're doing both. And even to see the NBA employees making the proper calls and trying to make change is exactly what you want. And this is the unity we want, and we want people coming together. Unfortunately, not everyone is on the same page, but hopefully they can take uh, take the next steps and, and, and take notes from what's going on. For sure. Jake Brown, our guest here on uh, on Beyond the Game. Uh, Greg Lauren in for Steve Peliquin. He is the executive producer of New York, the New York Post Sports Podcast, the co-host of the New York Post Amazing But True Mets Podcast, along with Nelson Figueroa. Jake, it's, uh, it's, always, good, it's always good to get a chance to talk with you Unfortunately, it, it, it isn't under better for circumstances when it comes to the New York sports and the Mets the, and the team that we love so much. But appreciate you jumping on and, and give me a little insight here this morning. Yeah, and look out next week. I will be co-hosting the Jets podcast this year for all the Jets fans out nice. there. Uh, gang's all here with Brian Costello. So that begins next week as well. And Be safe down there. Has the hurricane hit you guys? It uh, well, it it hit about an hour west of us, so we got really lucky, and it actually wasn't as bad as a lot of people were anticipating. I mean, I did get a little shakeage in the house, you know, um, during the night, the other nights, um, a lot of wind, a lot of rain, uh, but we did not get the worst of it. An hour of uh, to the west got got hit pretty good in Lake Charles. Well, I'm sending all my thoughts to everyone down in Louisiana and all the listeners that everyone stay safe, be you know, stay inside and. 
hope everyone comes out of this okay. Beautiful. Thank you, Jake. I appreciate it, man. Be good. And uh, you can follow him up on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio. Uh, you can find all of his content up there. Thanks, JB. All right, man. Talk to you later. There he goes. Go get a workout in. Jake Brown here on Beyond the Game. Greg Lawner in again for Steve Peliquin.